0: Should we go electric?
1: I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options.
0: So electrified looks different for everyone.
1: Yup. And with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Uh,
0: Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash beyondzero. Hey, Jim. Hey.
1: So, uh, today we're talking to Graham Wood. Tell us a little bit about Graham Wood.
2: Ah. Well, Graham is, uh, excellent writer who kind of throws himself into disaster zones, war zones, combat zones, um, probably best known for, I mean, his, his an enormous piece on ISIS. was called what, what ISIS Really Wants. And, mm-hmm. and a, an immersive journalist who throws himself into the heat of the moment.
1: Right. And uh, about a week ago, uh, we called him to see, you know, what sort of conflict zone uh he was traversing at the moment and uh why don't you tell us where he was
2: well yeah
0: um he
2: was at Disney World.
0: Okay here I am. I am I'm now speaking to you uh from the town square at the Magic Kingdom.
1: Wow. Uh,
0: I'm using my black Bluetooth setup. So if if this is working then then let me know. If it's not then I can switch to normal audio and
1: yeah and... I can hear you. And I can also hear some sort of faint uh terrifying happy music in the background so
0: yeah there is a brass band that just walked through uh, <laughs> and th- that's what they're doing i think mostly instead of the character interaction you get to go run up and hug mickey instead they have parades that go through like, you're strictly forbidden from getting very close to.
2: wait you can't hug mickey
0: i have not been offered a hug by anyone yet
1: have uh, you requested oh. one
0: no i i've i would i would be freaked out if someone tried to give me a hug I don't think I've reported in a place where I felt more uh, persistent anxiety about my well-being. If you're in Iraq, you know, it, it, you, can, um, you can be pretty sure at any given moment uh, how, what your level of risk is. You know, If you're out in the streets in the middle of the day or at night, then uh, you might get shot. But if you're, you know... Uh,
1: did something just roll by you? Something? Is the brass band near?
0: Yes, there are dancers. There's there's dancers who are pirouetting around in meaning costumes, and uh, they're being preceded by uniformed archivists, kind of like secret service, to keep people away from because the dancers are not wearing masks um, and they're not supposed to get anywhere close.
1: It's a little. Uh... Hard to hear you now. we'll, we'll talk again when you're, when you're back in safety and uh, when we can hear you a little better. Yeah. Be safe, Graham.
0: I will, I look forward to talking to you when I get back.
3: For the health and safety of everyone, please wear a face covering. Wash your hands often and thoroughly. Cover your mouth and nose when coughing and sneezing and maintain physical distancing. Thank you for your cooperation.
1: Okay, so we talked to him about a week ago, but as you heard, it was almost impossible to hear him due to the constant parades. So uh, we're going to call him back today.
2: Yeah, I'm really interested in this question because we're all making risk calculations, right? You know, Mm -hmm. choosing to do things that in an ideally safe world, we wouldn't. So Who is choosing Disney right now as their indulgence? Hi, everybody. Hey, Graham. Hey, Graham. You sound, there's no parades this time behind you.
3: No, I'm in the silence of the normal world. Back to reality. You have to face your thoughts again. Yes, yes. You know, the, the hardest part was not even being in Disney World. It, it was going back and, you know, getting on an airplane and being in Florida and now being at home, but not really at home because I'm in the state of Connecticut, which has a mandatory quarantine. So um, I'm, I'm almost back. Almost.
1: Ooh. Oh, so you haven't gone home yet because you're quarantining?
3: That's right. I, I, I can't be near anybody uh, and, until... Fourteen days have passed, or I have a negative COVID test.
2: You know, even outside of a pandemic, I recommend quarantining for fourteen days
3: after going to Disney World. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- th- there's uh, funnel cake lung and other diseases you can get there.
1: Um, so we're going to start at the top. Why did you go to Disney World?
3: Well, one reason is uh, I had never been there before, and I was never going to go there. I have no interest in going to Disney World, uh, but right now it is a really fascinating place because it's where a lot of people get together and uh, have to deal with the effects of a pandemic and decide that it's worth the risk. So I went to Disney World because there's no other time I would do it, but right now it's really, really interesting.
1: So let's talk about what it was actually like to be there. Walk us through your experience a little bit.
3: So the the Disney experience is A all-encompassing one. When you arrive, as I did at Orlando Airport, you get sent into the Disney bubble, and you don't really emerge until almost the moment you get on your flight to go home. And that's what happened with me. I, I got onto the Disney bus at the Disney area of the airport, went to a Disney resort, and all I did during the day was eat at Disney restaurants and go to Disney parks. So my experience was full Disney for four days.
1: Was it crowded?
3: So I I have to kind of adjust my priors a bit because I've never been to Disney World before. Mm -hmm. I know lots of people who have. And what they always talk about are the crowds and the expense. If you go there now, the crowds are relatively thin. Um, Like you can walk down the street without bumping into people, say. uh, And you can go on rides and attractions and you don't have to wait uh, hours and hours to do so. So. I think a normal person who knew Disney World and was going there uh, for the second or third time would say it looks like a neutron bomb has hit the place and and it's being repopulated slowly by a trickle of visitors.
1: What did the people who were there think about it? were they did they find it eerie?
3: You know I think that most of them were having a really good time, and it's it's a little bit hard to tell because you're looking at people in masks which is weird, you know, this is a place where everybody's supposed to be having a good time at all times. It's compulsory. You you don't have a choice. You're supposed to have a really great time. Mm-hmm. But you don't see a human face, let alone a human smile the whole time. So you just have to assume that they're not throwing down their phones and tantrums or screaming at people. No, they they look like they're having a really good time.
2: And who uh who was there?
3: I saw a, to me, shocking range of of people. Um, I I wore a button at the park that they give you if it's your first time there, and it says, first time visitor. Uh, And usually if you get that, then they treat you really nicely and they say, welcome, glad you're having a good time here and so forth. And I'm sure I was the only one at the park wearing that uh, because not many other people were thinking, ah, Disney's opening after a uh, pandemic that's killing hundreds of thousands of people in this country.
2: Yeah.
3: so uh, I think I'll go for the first time. It was the people who have wanted to go to Disney world again, uh, for months who have been prevented from it and, and who, uh, feel like it's that important to go yeah. uh, because they love it so much. I would
2: like to know more about what the safety precautions were taken there. Cause I am worried about, you know, this being an unwise move.
3: Yeah, I was, of course, thinking about that from the start, both for my own health and for the health of the world as any infection you know, spreads. So when you get there, it's, it's obvious from the start that Disney is doing whatever it can uh, to open responsibly. Uh, and by that, I mean, if you're getting on a roller coaster uh, and you're just one guy like me, you're the only one on the roller coaster uh, on that car, anyway. Uh, so you might be on the Seven Dwarfs Mine Train, and it's you in the front, and one other person or one family way in the back, and that's it. No dwarfs? Uh, none that none that I could see, or maybe they already have immunity. They have heard immunity from previous infection. I don't know. Interesting.
1: How are these? How, how are the rules enforced? Like if you. Um, You know, were to get really close to someone or take off your mask, what happens?
3: Um, So there are Disney employees, always referred to by Disney as cast members, who will come up to you and say, Oh, could you please put on your mask or could you please raise your mask over your nose? They'll say it in the nicest possible way. But in truth, I almost never in my whole time there, four days, saw someone have to be reminded of that. What was really shocking and actually gratifying and pleasing to see was the level of compliance of guests. Everybody was just following the rules. um, And they were doing it in, I think, a spirit of harmony and goodwill, and also respect for the authority of Disney World. Um, It's hard to exaggerate the barrier between that bubble, the difference between that bubble and the rest of the world, the rest of America, the rest of the, you know, famously unruly state of Florida that, that literally surrounds Disney World. So you get in there and you immediately find yourself in something that just doesn't feel like America in some ways. It has a really good public transportation system, a monorail, a bus system. Uh, it has a level of invasion of your privacy that Americans wouldn't abide, but Singaporeans would and do. Uh, that is, you put a what's called a magic band, kind of like a Fitbit-like thing around your wrist. And anytime you walk past the sensor, Disney knows you were there. And they don't hesitate to tell you that later by showing you a, a photograph of yourself there, Wait, for that's example. so straight.
1: So they're tracking you and photographing you the whole time?
3: All the time. And they're doing that, you know, w- with your consent, I suppose. I, I put that band on. I didn't have to. Did they but tell it means- you when you
1: put it on, we're going to follow you everywhere and take pictures of you?
3: Well, they don't speak to you in that sinister tone of voice instead that they say, you can use this band to, um, pay for things, you know, if you want to buy an ice cream cone, you don't even have to bring your credit card with you. You just tap your wrist against the the sensor. Yeah. And then when you get on one of the rides, um, they don't tell you that they're going to take a picture of you, but they do take a picture of you and they send you a copy of it, uh, because your magic band was on your wrist when you walked past that turnstile and they recognized that you were there now. This is the kind of thing, again, that if the federal government of the United States said, we're going to watch you everywhere and take pictures of you, uh, even if they offered me copies of those photographs, I would be pretty upset by that.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, but for being in, in Disney World, what it felt instead was more like having, say, the uh, tracing app that they have in Singapore uh, that was in place. For contact uh, tracing for contact tracing. So if you have COVID, it'll tell you, Hey, you went to that supermarket. Well, all 400 other people who went to that supermarket now know that they should get tested as soon as possible because you have COVID that, that kind of productive use of invasion of privacy is the kind of thing that people at at Disney world were ready for long before uh, we could ever contemplate such a thing in the United States. Now, Disney World's not actually using it that way yet. I think they might consider that. Um, but when I say that Disney World feels like another country, that's what I mean. It, it feels like you've entered a space where the authorities have a huge amount of credibility with the people they manage.
2: Huh.
3: And in some ways, it resembles um, you know, quasi-benevolent authoritarian states, rather than the, you know, malfunctioning anarchy that we have in this country, and especially in Florida.
1: You have traveled the world and seen many different kinds of governments at work. What does it mean that inside the walls of Disney, there was a more functional government than outside
3: i 'm depressed by what I think are the the inferences that we should should gather from that. My understanding from this this trip, the inference that I drew from it is that we had a lot of people who, in other contexts, just wouldn 't have trusted the authorities to uh, to manage the pandemic and wouldn 't do what they were told to do and they have in this context a huge amount of confidence, even though the confidence they're placing in this is confidence in a you know huge mega corporation you know 100 plus billion dollars in market cap they thought we trust disney to manage things and i think that's that's a dark thought because with the loss of confidence in public institutions then private institutions arise to take that place
1: you it sounds like the people you spoke with and saw felt safe they didn't seem freaked out or worried. Did you feel safe?
3: There's always, you're being reminded literally every 10 minutes by speakers saying, stay away from people, wash your hands, wear a face covering. And for me, that was a constant reminder uh, that I should be on edge and it, it never let up. So I didn't exactly feel safe. I felt like I was being I kept as safe as one could get in a gathering of thousands of people like at the, at Walt Disney World. But for me, it was not a relaxing experience.
1: Can you just describe, you're used to feeling unsafe, I assume, from the kind of reporting you do usually. How did this experience compare?
3: Uh, the danger that you feel in a place like Disney World during a pandemic is, in my experience, very different from the type of danger that you would experience if you were in Afghanistan or in Iraq during the wars there. It, you know, if you're in a conflict zone where, for example, there are drone strikes around where you live, then, and I, I've had this experience re- reporting in the northwest frontier of Pakistan. I would talk to people who were struck by mental illness, and it didn't help that anytime they heard a buzzing overhead or just in the background, maybe it was just a lawnmower or maybe it was a death robot that was coming for them. This is a very, very tough way to live. And it's it's something that we've all had a little taste of. I think that in Disney World now though, there's another aspect to it that makes it much more acute and, and hard to take. And that's the following. It's a place of mirth. Uh, it's where we've gone for, for, for happiness. And so you're being told constantly that this is a magical place. This is a, this is a happy place. And you're surrounded by people who might be happy, but actually you don't even get to see their faces. So they're em- emotionally kind of illegible most of the time. And you don't have any reminder that, that you're sort of suffering together, uh, that you're part of a shared emotional space. Uh, instead, it's just you alone alone with the, I think, uncomfortable incongruity of all this happiness and then a pandemic like we've never seen before. My friend, Paul Bloom, um, psychologist at Yale, talks about this. He, he says, in other tragedies, we've been able to have that shared joy or, or, or sense that we're in this together. You know, like in the second world war in London, you would pull your neighbors from, from the rubble. You, you would make shared sacrifices. And then in the pandemic, what do you do? You stay at home. You, you, you watch Netflix. Uh, it's, you've been robbed of, of any chance to, to, to share that, that kind of moment. And even in a place like Disney World, where it, it feels like maybe you could share some happiness with strangers for the first time in months. Instead, what you get is moments of happiness yes but most of the time you're looking at, at people's masked faces and you're having to to just guess that they're smiling so that just draws into into sharper relief the solitary aspect of the pandemic and how hard it is on on, on all of us
1: yeah yeah it sounds like disney world is a place of great dissonance right now
3: definitely it it's for the people who were going there, they're really dedicated to Disney. I mean, I, yeah, these I mean, are people. They I,
1: feel, do you think they were feeling the same way that you were, or do you think they were actually ex- just having a great time?
3: Well, it wasn't even to the point of whether they were having a good time or not. In many cases, it seemed like they w- were undergoing some kind of pilgrimage experience. This was this was like a religion to them, mm-hmm. and. To be able to go to Disney World uh, was a source of great consolation. That that in some ways actually just transcended happiness. They, they were, I think, in in many cases there for for something much deeper than happiness. Yeah, but, you know th- that that's the only way I could explain. Well, first of all, why they would take the risk to do this. It it really felt like some kind of of spiritual oasis for for some people that they were going there to renew all of these kind of tanks of psychic energy that they had or imaginative energy that Mm -hmm. had been depleted after months of isolation.
1: Graham, um, I wonder if reporting in an interesting and complicated situation gives you that same feeling of renewal and if that is also why you were there and if, you know, you and the people who were there we're experiencing something of a similar thing actually
3: oh that's very astute of you yes i i I think there was an element of that too. Um,
1: is this the yeah. reverse reporting trip you 've gone on since the pandemic started
3: it's the first one that required me to get on a plane and, and go somewhere i you mm-hmm. know i i, I um, in the typical year i I travel tens of thousands of miles f- for work and for pleasure it, mm-hmm. it is it's how I spend my time. Uh, it's my hobby. Uh, it's it's my livelihood. And I've spent the last, you know, just like everybody else, It's it's been since, since March, since I've really gone somewhere. And for me to go somewhere that is uh, a little dangerous for me, you know, marginally dangerous, uh, that's weird, that's filled with people who I didn't understand when I got there and understood a little bit better when I came back, that's what I do in normal times. And uh, I have no regrets about going to Disney World to do it this time. It, it it feels like a return to normal for me. That is a return to abnormal, but uh, abnormal is what I like.
1: Well, it sounds like everyone who was there, including you, was there f- for a similar kind of reason to feel normal.
3: Yeah, I think on on first blush, it didn't look like we had much in common. But you're you're very astute pointing out that.
2: So maybe the place is a little magical. After all.
3: <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but, uh, you know, I'm never going back, I'll tell you that.
1: <laughs> um, thank you, Graham. This is so fascinating, and everyone should read your piece, um, which goes into much more depth on your experience. It's up on theatlantic.com now. But um, I'm very envious that you got to go on a reporting trip <laughs> as, a, as a fellow devotee of um, the religion of journalism.
3: Your time will come soon, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> anyway, um, thank you. Uh, really, good, l- good luck with quarantine.
2: Thanks so much, Graham. This is a pleasure. My pleasure.
1: Thanks. Talk to you soon. Bye.
2: Take care. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Will you probably just do credits? I
1: don't think there's anything else to say. Yeah. Um, This show was produced today by Alvin Melleth. You can write us at at theatlantic.com or call us at 202-642-6487. Check out theatlantic.com slash support us to subscribe. Okay, I'll talk to you later.
2: Okay, shutting down.
0: Bye.
1: Okay, bye.
0: So, should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified?